The ability to speak might not make you intelligent, but we're going to try to prove otherwise. This is the Clashing Sabers podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Boylan, and with me today, I have a very special guest. He is cooler than a Wookiee wearing sunglasses. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Steve Kirk. Why, hello there. Hello there. I've actually gotten really good at that impression. I'm actually kind of proud of some of my Star Wars voices that I've done. Since I read the books to the kids, I, I work on all my voices. Oh, nice. I have some of them spot spot on. Now, Grievous, I, I'm terrible with Grievous. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one to master until you spoke for like 30 years. Well, you know what? I'm dedicated. Let's do I, it. I appreciate it. <laughs> so, Steve, uh, why don't you just go ahead and, and real quick give our listeners a little bit of a, a background in terms of like, how are you involved in the Star Wars fandom? Tell them about your podcast and, and the cool things that you're doing. It was a dark and stormy night in 1970. No, wait, sorry, too far. <laughs> um, yeah, so I am one of the founders of a lightsaber combat group called San Diego Sabres in San Diego, California. And we also do a podcast called the San Diego Sabres Radio Podcast. And we do that weekly with our my other two co-founders, Robert and Eric. And we talk about lightsaber fighting occasionally. And we talk about a lot of Star Wars stuff. And we're just kind of... Guys sitting around the table talking about Star Wars, and it's very casual and laid back, and there's a lot of weird jokes and a lot of Easter eggs that we put in there, and it's just it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it really is. Uh, you guys have such a cool dynamic, and it really, it really, really does feel like you're just sitting down and having a beer with a couple of guys talking Star Wars, which I know a lot of times that's actually what you guys are doing. So, um, but it's, just the three of you to go ahead, go ahead. It does happen, yes. Yeah, yeah, once or twice. But um, and and if you really want a, a good listen, adult content. But go listen to the one. I don't remember the name of the episode, Steve. Maybe you can tell me the one where you guys had your party and you did the Mad Libs. Oh my gosh! Oh, dude, I was listening in the car and I almost had to pull over because I was laughing so hard. Yeah, that is one of the more not safe for work episodes because it was at our second anniversary party. And not that people were necessarily getting drunk, but you put a beer or two in people and they loosen up and they're a little lubricated and you go down and you, you, you play Star Wars Mad Libs for a couple hours and some really creative terminology comes out of people's mouths. That was a very PC way of saying that. I like it. <laughs> I feel like that was practiced and, and everything. No, but oh. it was... It, it's funny though. I, I don't want to make it sound bad because your your podcast is not like full of bad words and stuff. But you know, you you, you got an occasional one in there, you know, yeah. here and now. But um, it's the one podcast that if I'm walking around school, I can't just have sitting on my shoulder listening to. I have to remember to pause your podcast because the one time that you know I leave it playing is when you guys are going to end up playing Mad Libs again or something because that's my luck. But it, it, no, it's it, yeah. it's a it's a fun listen. Um, and, and like I said, you guys just have a really cool dynamic. And one thing I want to point out to, to listeners, because I didn't really know this when I started listening uh, to the podcast, is your group is an ac actually a combat group. Like you guys are actually doing 
I remember one time uh, uh, one of you said that it's basically MMA with lightsabers, uh, which is really cool to me that it's like actually dueling and not just a choreography club. Yeah, that's one of the things that that we're really kind of proud that sets us apart. And there there are a lot of choreo clubs around, and and that's all great because choreo looks better than actual combat fighting. It's kind of like if you go watch the old samurai movies, they don't have that Western style of action and flair and sexiness that you're used to. The old samurai movies are very kind of very quick and, and very fast motion, and before you blink, the fight is over. And when you're doing real sword fighting, real lightsaber combat, whatever weapon you're using, people who are really good at it it's kind. It, it it can be very similar to the Twin Suns episode of Rebels, where it's you know Perry Perry strike done. That's exactly what I was just about to say. Is is think Twin Suns, uh, and you know as I grew up doing Taekwondo, uh, I got to earning my second degree black belt, and I eventually want to get back into doing martial arts. And so, just listening to you guys kind of talk about it from that angle personally, I really enjoy a lot. But yeah, there's it's just different from. Uh, from a choreography group, like you were saying, and so I didn't want th- I didn't want people to get confused because we do see some you know cool videos that pop up on Instagram and stuff of the coordinated fights, and those are awesome. Not bashing them; they take a lot of work, but you know, just so that we had this distinction there. Um, the other thing that you're doing is, as Ron Burgundy would say, kind of a big deal. You, well, actually, you know what? I don't even want to introduce you. Why don't you introduce everybody else to what you are working on? Oh, this little party I'm throwing? Just a, just a tiny little party, having a couple friends over. Just a couple. Yeah, so what was it? It was about a year ago now, a little over a year ago. I got this idea for what do I want to do next in my life. And one of the things I realized was that I'd actually run conventions, cons, for about 20 years. And I got an out of it for a couple years because I was focusing on my career for a while. And now that I had this opportunity to look at doing other things with my life, I realized I miss cons. I miss doing all that planning and and all the stress and the heartache and the the pain and and all the fun that goes with it as well is is there's there's an immense pleasure I take in in kind of the productivity but the the bringing of the community together for an event and people getting a lot out of it and, and maybe getting more out of it than we expect. So long story short, I came up with this idea that living here in San Diego, we have this this little event called San Diego Comic-Con. And it's, it's something that all the locals sometimes cringe about because you realize that 200,000 people are coming to town and you're not going to be able to go because the tickets go faster than a Madonna concert. They're really expensive. You have to wait in long lines. And generally, you just want to avoid all of downtown until it's all over because it's, it's, so, it's so big and it's messy and it's chaotic. And it, these, the big cons, Comic-Con being a, uh, San Diego Comic-Con being the great example, but, but any of the big cons, people are getting more and more disenfranchised with them because they're – they have these high hopes and, and high expectations for what they can expect to get or see or do and realize that when there's 100,000 other people there, it's really hard to do all those things. It's it's hard to do a fraction of those things. So 
long story short, again, I have designed a new, it's, it's relatively local con called Intergalacticon. And we're holding it this June, June 15th and 16th here in San Diego. And we're targeting it to be more of a mid-size, small to mid-size con. So not huge and chaotic like the Comic Cons can be. And not so tiny and small where there's a few dozen people showing up, but you've got to be super hardcore into comics or super hardcore into anime to understand anything that's going on. We're designing this as having a broad base appeal to a lot of people. So especially making it accessible to the casual fans. So if you're in San Diego, if you're in LA and you want something to do for the weekend, you know, you can grab a ticket, you can come down, you can check it out, you can bring your friends. There's going to be space to walk around. I know that's that's almost blasphemy to say at cons these days, but there's space to walk around. We're setting up a social space so people can just grab a drink and hang out. We're, we're going to bring in sofas and soft furniture so you can take a load off and, and actually be comfortable. We'll have speakers and exhibitors and artists, just like everybody should have. We're going to have events. We're going to have workshops. We're going to have parties. All this stuff is going to be included when you buy a ticket. So if you go to Comic-Con and you pay nearly $300 for a ticket, maybe you can get in to see some panels and you get access to the exhibits hall and that's all you get for 300 bucks. So we're really trying to design this as a much better experience, although without being run by Hollywood at the same time. So it, it really can be content that a mix of hardcore and casual fans are interested in and can have access to and bring their friends and make new friends and just genuinely have a good time for the weekend. Yeah, and, you know, as a credit to that, my uh, my girlfriend and I were looking at the link when you first sent it to us. We were at dinner, and we were kind of searching through and, and seeing all the updates you have done to the website, which, of course, that will be in the, the show notes, so you can click on it and get your tickets. But uh, we were looking at it, and, you know, I'm hardcore fan. She's, I would, mm, I would say, casual at best. You know, she goes to the Marvel movies with me, but, you know, mm. she... If she doesn't see it in theaters, she's not going to lose any sleep over it. Um, she's she's not really a rewatcher of movies, you know. So after she's seen it once, she's like, "I already saw that movie." Uh, but we were looking through, and she was actually getting genuinely excited about the uh, the, the speakers that you have coming. Um, That's yeah, yeah. And so, just as a, a little run through, I'm just going to run through all the ones that you have featured on the the main page here. Uh, starting with, uh, ooh, I'm going to butcher his name, Ryan Schneider. <laughs> Ryan is an award-winning 21-year brand-building veteran who has led literally dozens of AAA video game launches across multiple platforms, spanning from PS1 through virtual reality. So we got some video gaming here. You have Claudia Christian, who has worked, or excuse me, starred in over 50 films and hundreds of hours of television, uh, most notably Babylon 5. And, of course, the one I'm most excited about, Colin Cantwell, who is the original concept artist and modeler for the first Star Wars movie for A New Hope. Uh, he's credited with the design of the X-Wing, the Death Star, the original Millennium Falcon, and others. And then you also have Noah Fledger, uh, or Fledger? Is it Fledger or Fledger? Fledger. Fledger, okay. Who, that's probably my second uh, favorite one that I'm, or one that I'm looking forward to. He yeah. is a Taekwondo martial artist who is, has worked in the 
the as an indie film director, and I actually did Taekwondo growing up, so that has a special place near my heart. And nice. there's also um, somebody I noticed that's not on not on the the, the, the main page there. Uh, um, did we miss yeah. somebody? How is that po- No, that's not possible. Maybe. Mm. Let me let me wait. Oh no, am I? What am I in the timeout corner? I'm in the timeout corner of the website. Are you? I what? I could fix that. I could fix that. <laughs> but you're not going to. Well, <laughs> we'll say stay tuned. But I honestly, you know what? I honestly don't know if I've actually said it on the show itself. But I uh, I will be speaking at this con. It's actually uh, funny enough going to be my first con. So uh, what an experience it'll be! I'm really excited because. One of the reasons I don't, I haven't gone to a con is I have a lot of social anxiety, just like in large crowds. Mm-hmm. You could you could have the best thing in the world going on, but if I'm like stuck shoulder to shoulder with ten thousand people, I'm going to be miserable. And so the little intimate setting that this has is is extremely appealing to me. But I will be uh, speaking about teaching using Star Wars along with. A uh, great gentleman, which ironically, I went from Florida to Texas, and he went from Texas to Florida. Oh, that's uh, Vern- fantastic! Yeah, Vernon Reniger, uh, who I'm, I'm pulling up his bio now. I believe he he teaches high school, right? I think he. Oh. Uh, okay, no, 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 elementary. He's, he's elementary. elementary too. He's always been elementary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I was thinking about someone else for some reason, um, but he does uh, kind of Marvel DC stuff. And I am, of course, the Star Wars stuff. So that is going to be really exciting. And hopefully, as long as you know your lawyers don't shut us down, we'll have some audio from that for for the podcast later on. Oh, I think that's yeah. You, you think so? Um, yeah. yeah. Some some guy, some some weirdo, I don't know, sent me a, a recorder so that I could travel and do podcasts. And oh, crazy! Yeah, it was weird. Some weird people in the world, some, man. There's there's crazy people in the world. No. Mm. Steve, like honestly, it's funny because when when we first started talking, we when we first started even talking about the con, we didn't really even know each other. We had just become friends on Facebook and started chit chatting a little bit. And yeah, because you asked me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I was looking into. I don't. I don't think the podcast had started yet. I was looking into like getting things started, and then uh, you asked me like what I would like to if I went to a con, what I would go speak about. I think it was during San Diego Comic Con this last year. I remember that's, my time frame correctly. Right, yeah, yeah, because yeah, because you were like, "Oh my gosh, you've never been to a con," and and it led to that. And oh, I'm so excited! It's funny. I work by an airport, and every, so every day I see about five to ten planes take off, and every time just San Diego goes through my mind. <laughs> I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. So, what what kind of goes into creating a con? Like I I think because you're working on a. I don't want this to sound uh, sound inconsiderate or rude or like you're not working really hard, but you are working on a smaller scale than what a lot of people probably think of when they think of a con. They're probably thinking more of a Star Wars celebration, San Diego Comic-Con. So working on, on kind of the, the smaller scale, how is that, how is that different from, uh, from working on the bigger scale and what kind of goes into getting such a thing off the ground? So it, in a lot of ways, the process is the same, but you know, you, you use the right word in that it's all about scale. So the cons I've worked before 
have been as small as, you know, I, I've, I've done workshops and camps and meetings that were a dozen people, and I've done a larger con that was 25,000 people, right? Yeah, yeah. And the the process is really about the same in, in any case. It's just the number of people involved in making it happen. So you've got you've got to think about where do you want to hold the event? So you literally go around and, and do scouting at locations. And so you reach out to hotels or convention centers. And even in advance of that, you have to think, how many people do I want to plan to be here? How do I want to lay it out? What type of things am I going to have at this event? So that from there, you can start to imagine the size of rooms and the amount of floor space you need and, and generally the, the number of square footage that you need overall. And as you start working with hotels, then you also start talking about um, food and beverage costs and hotel room rates. And then you very, you know, as you narrow your choices down, you get into contract discussions and you have to provide guarantees of revenue to the hotel. And that's where it starts getting real and scary. And Oh, for for a lot of it, once you have a location, then you also have a date. And once you have a date, now you can start putting together a schedule. And with that, then you start thinking, okay, what kind of content am I going to have? So who, you know, you might start reaching out, at, you know, as an organizer, start reaching out to people you know to come and be speakers at the event, as you are well aware of. You want to build a staff of your own. So you start thinking about the different types of departments you might need. So I've got departments for floor operations and security and speaker operations and registration. And for this size of event, that's that's all the departments I really need. When it grows bigger, some of those will split out into sub-departments. So if we do ever become 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 people, then I need more people to run some of these groups and we'll need to subdivide some of those groups into different um, different camps. So floor operations might become floor operations on one side and it might become contest and event management on the other side because we may have more things going on. So it needs more attention and more staffing in order to make those things happen. So a lot of this is planning and a lot of it is organization. There's there's kind of this magic triangle that I tell people about that if you're going to run an event and especially if you're going to run your own convention like this there's three sides three points on the triangle that I th- I think you need to have in order to be successful. And the cons I've seen not be successful or fail in some way are usually missing one or two of these points. So the first point is you do have to treat it like a business. So you need to understand, you need to have some business sense. You need to understand how to run a business. So you need a good tax guy. You need some one or more lawyers. You need maybe a business planner who can help you with the books. You need to, uh, you know, have somebody to talk about trademarks and copyright. You need to talk about contracts. The second corner is you need to find a way to fund this. And it kind of goes in part with the business side of things. So you need to consider, can you do it yourself? Are you going to raise the money somehow? How is 
this going to happen? Because you're essentially going to pay for the entire event before people arrive and buy tickets. So you've got to manage the cash flow. You've got to manage the investment. And you've got to think about it as an investment, whether you're running it as a for-profit company or as a non-profit company. Maybe you're, you're doing it as a charity. But you've still got to manage the cash flow. And then the other most important piece to this is you've got to have a passion for it. You've, you've got to love doing this. You've got to love the content matter. If you're really not into the content, you're not going to put your best foot out there. And, you know, how, how do you run a Comic-Con type of event if you're not a nerd, right? Yeah, exactly. That, I mean, you have to have that passion, that drive to, to make you want to be a part of it. But also, you're just going to be spending so much time around the content. Like, if you don't like it, I imagine it would just be like nails on a chalkboard for your whole life. It, it really would be because you're going to, if, if you're going to keep up with it, then you have to keep up with the content and the news and the industry and everything on a day-to-day-to-day basis because it's all constantly changing. You know, what's going on with the latest Marvel movie? What's happening with the new Darth Vader comic book series? What's happening, you know, in... You know, whatever's happening in the book industry right now. What, you know, you've you've got to stay on top of this news so that the content that you develop and bring to the event remains time worthy and relevant. So, like for example, if they uh, if there was, let's say there was fan outlash against a certain film that sounds like bar tours, then you might have to adjust some of your content for that. You might, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or maybe it makes an interesting panel to have. Where, you know, what what if you did a panel that was the pros and cons, or or maybe um, a panel that that had somebody who loved and somebody hated Batman versus Superman, and have that debate on stage. That might be interesting. And it's it's. You know, I, I've spent a lot of time studying leadership and stuff like that. And one of the, the things that is a quality that pretty much everybody can agree on in, in terms of what the best style of leadership is, is that leaders get the best out of their people. And it's kind of that same mentality there. Like, it's not just knowing like, oh, yeah, let's talk about this because it's cool. Like lightsaber fights, for example. Like, let's talk about lightsaber fights because it's cool. Well, can you really have a great panel on lightsaber fights that everybody's talked about for the past 40 years? Or do you need to, to switch it up and make it something more intriguing, like having a model maker? And not a lot of people know about what goes into that. And the whole time you were talking, I just kept thinking about, you know, that uh, it's not a meme, but it's a picture and it's a drawing of an iceberg. And it says something to the nature of everybody sees the top of the iceberg, but nobody sees, you know, all the stuff that goes on underneath to build that iceberg to get it to its peak. And that's just what I kept thinking about there because there's so many moving parts. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's going, by the time this, this first year happens, I will, put a, I will have put in about a year and a half worth of work just to bring it to fruition. And some of that's startup efforts. There, there's some long lead stuff and some legal stuff and so on and so forth. But as soon as this first, well, it's not even that. Even now, before the first year even happens, I'm already working on year two, and we're talking about year three. So this kind of goes back to my triangle, is you got to think about it as a business, and you can't wait until after year one 
happens to decide if you want to do year two because there's such a long lead time to making it happen. So if you want to do it another year from now, you gotta you got to start working on it almost a year and a half in advance. That's insane. You're a very type A personality, aren't you? Oh, All the no. organization and stuff. No, really? No. Type A's are, are typically extroverts. I I am very organized, and that's that's an incredibly important part to making all this work because there are so many elements that you have to – you can try and write it all down and, and have a system to manage it. And in, in some way, shape, or form, you're going to need that anyway. But you've got to manage six things in your mind at any given time. So you you absolutely – this kind of goes back to having the passion. You've got to love to do this. So that you you wake up and want to go do these things. Um, I I've spent a lot of the last six or eight weeks working with my marketing and design agency on getting website and branding materials and logos and artwork together. And that was some stuff where every day I'm going back and forth with them and they're throwing ideas over the fence. And at the same time, I'm having to find a PR agency that I can work with and have meeting with meetings with them. So as the PR starts to ramp up. All this stuff is lining up at the same time because you've got to do these things in parallel. You can't wait till one thing is done and then do the next thing. Otherwise, it'll be three years from now before your your event takes off. It's absolutely insane. Mm. It's, I mean, it's it's really awe inspiring, really, that uh, anybody can function like that. I mean, but you know, thinking like as a teacher in my classroom, you know, it's it's kind of the same idea. Like, if I have students that I don't like you know, or a whole class that's problem, so problem, you know, a problem class or whatever, it makes it really hard to like get up and want to go there. Um, even if you, you know, love your job like I do, but when you have like really fun, good kids that you like spending, like I genuinely like spending time with my students. I'll let them have lunch in the classroom sometimes. Cause I'm just like, yeah, sure. Let's like shoot the breeze and talk star Wars or, or whatever. Yeah. And, and it's that kind of that same mentality of, you know, having to like, who you're working with and what you're doing. And I think it's really cool, uh, you know, you being the leader that you kind of get, kind of get to select those people that, that you see value in and, and that um, you think can add to, to the con. I mean, you're, you're literally like CEO, president, treasurer, all that stuff all at one time. And not like a third president, a third CEO and a third treasurer and a third this, but like, a hundred percent each one of those at all times and it's it's really mind-boggling you know as as you and i have talked about it and i'm just kind of seeing what goes into putting on a con uh you know even even one that's smaller and more intimate like like yours and to imagine just the things that have to work to make like a star wars celebration work with the live stream and the panels and all the stuff that they do there it's it's I know I keep saying it, but it's really insane. It's like hard for me to wrap my mind around uh, being able to put some, something like that together. So, and and, and you touched on something really important in that I do have to. I mean, I I do actually have a company behind this. You know, my my own personal business that that is behind this. So I am literally the CEO and CFO and and all that. But I you know I touched on it earlier. But I have to put together a staff to run this. I can't do it all myself, and. So as a leader, you know, good leaders understand they have to delegate. And in order to do that, you have to pick people you can trust because you are literally entrusting a part of your business to this person to go run this aspect of it 
for you. And so you've got to find somebody that you trust. They're as passionate about this as, as, as you are so you can feel secure that when you ask them to go do something or give them some task that they're, they're going to go do it in the most amazing way possible and you know it's going to get done. If you end up with people that you can't trust or you aren't sure are going to do the job, that will keep you up at night in a bad way and introduces risk to potentially the entire ecosystem. And though, so you really do have, this kind of goes back to, you know, back to my triangles. You have to think about this as a business. And so hiring the right people for any job, even if they're volunteers and not getting paid, still extraordinarily important. And so all the people I have as department heads are people I, I know personally and trust almost with my life, as it were. But they know they know how to do their jobs, and I don't have to sit here and explain it to them. They they know how to run security, they know how to run registration, and they understand here are the problems we're facing, and here's what I'm going to go do, go do to make that successful. And then I can just kind of go, you know what, this is handled, fantastic, because there's lots of other things for me that I have to go focus on because only I can do certain things. So. You mentioned, and, and that's one of the questions I was going to ask you, that these are people you know. Uh, do you know the, the – uh, easy for me to say. Do you know most of the people from like other cons that you have run or are these like personal friends of yours that you were lucky enough to be able to pull in or, or what? It's a mix actually. Um, we had – it's kind of interesting. We had a big in-person planning meeting a few weeks ago here in San Diego and – I was really realizing when I started this out, I expected it to really purely be a local event and, and I'd draw upon local people for the whole thing. And I realized a good portion of the room was from out of town because as I talked to this with friends of mine, they got really excited the project about the project and wanted to be involved somehow. And as we had conversations, realized, you know, here's – Here's something I think you would be really good at running. Would you? Are you sure you want to? I mean, you'd have to fly into town and you'd have to, you know, put some some of your own money behind this and and getting here. But are you, you know, are you sure you want to do this? And and enthusiastically, everybody has been on board. So I've got this room of about fifteen people, and I'm looking around, and we do introductions and kind of go down go down the row and, and here's Russ. And he's like, yeah, I'm Russ. And I've known Steve and worked with Steve for about 20 years, blah, blah, blah. Next person, you know, here's Paul. Yeah, I've known Steve for about 20 years and we run cons together. And here's John. Yeah, I've known Steve for about 15 years and we've you know done all this work together. And it's like, wow, I, I, I really do know a lot of people. And, and half of us have run some of these same cons together and some of us have worked together and some of them I just know locally through either San Diego Sabres or, or other things going on. So, you know, you find the right people from the right places at the right time. Yeah, no, it's, it's funny. That's actually like one of my philosophies on life uh, is, you know, you need the right person to say the right thing at the right time for you to be able to, to grow. And that's, I mean, all that stuff is really like, I, I don't want to sound like I'm brown nosing or anything here, but it really is a credit to you as like a, a leader and, and as a man, because, like, for instance, you like started pouring into me like right away, like when we we've never actually met in person and we talk all the time and I consider you one of my best friends and, and, and a role model that I look up to just because you 
you've been a guide for me in terms of, of getting going in podcasting and stuff. And you're one of those people who you don't force your way of doing things onto other people if that's not how they function, but mm. you are really good at like steering them in the right direction um, and, and giving them the tools that they need to, to be successful. And that's something that I've always appreciated about, about our friendship. Uh, so as far as, thank you, by like, the way. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, but as far as like panelists and stuff, what does it take to get, I mean, you've got some big names on here and I'm not, I'm not going to lie when, you know, I figured, Oh, first year con, it'll be, you know, some local costume groups and, you know, maybe some clubs or organizations or something like that. But you have big names coming here. I mean, they might not be names that ring, you know, in people's ears, like a, a George Lucas or something like that. But it's like you've seen these people, you've seen their work, you know, their stuff. And that's a that's a big deal. I imagine there's a lot behind that. Yes and no. And I'm, I'm thinking about the future where I was thinking about this this morning. What's going to happen in three to five years where I need to get 20 of these people? Oh, my God, that's a whole nother full-time job for me to do. But to be honest, getting folks like Claudia and Colin for this first year wasn't too hard, to be honest. The, the hardest part is usually trying to discover who their booking agent is and, and how to actually get in touch with them. For both of these folks, once I got in touch with the right person – they were, you know, we a little bit of negotiation, a little bit of contract work, and and it was relatively simple to get these folks on board. With somebody who's much bigger and and massively more busy, you know, if if you were try to go after somebody like Mark Hamill, oh good God, you know that that could be really challenging to do. But when you're so. You, you do kind of have the whole spectrum here in that some of my speakers are literally friends of mine, such as yourself, and some of them are more celebrities. But it's, it's that philosophy of, you know, you don't get anything unless you ask for it. So I kind of tracked them down and I asked. And in both these cases, it was relatively simple to get them booked. And I think in part because I was working a year out too, so their calendars were pretty open and if you think about actors, I was talking to another booking agent where you you do need to have that advanced time to look at their calendar maybe a year out because what if they're working on a movie? Maybe they're not available because they're filming in Finland for the next James Bond movie or something during the time of your show. Well, then they're not available. So again, some of these long lead things. So as as the show grows and we look at more and more interesting or, or maybe more popular celebrities, those are things we're going to have to deal with. Um, but it is, it's footwork. It's just busy work where you've got to track down the agent and you're going to have to walk through some contract stuff. So kind of funny story, Claudia was the first celebrity I had signed on to the con. And we, me and her agent went back and forth for three or four days over email and hammered, it, hammered out kind of the, the mutual agreement. And then her agent said, okay, well, just send us over the contract and, and we'll walk through it and get it signed. Oh, I need a contract. Oh, no way. Okay, let me, you know what? Google knows everything. <laughs> That's fantastic. So there, there are plenty of examples of pr what 
we call a personal appearance contract. And I have done enough in my in my career to understand legalese. So put together a bunch of stuff, drafted something up, sent it over to my contracts lawyer and had her review it and said, is this all correct? Do we have the right language? Am I protected? Am I am I giving up any rights I shouldn't be giving up? Had that done in a couple of days and then then had a contract. So when you're in in the other cons I've done, we'd never really done celebrities. We did a lot, lot of speakers, but they were filled through a call for papers process. And so people came in and said, here's what I want to present. And you pick the speakers. Great. This was a different process. So you learn on the fly sometimes. And Google is your friend. That's, that's fantastic. That's so cool. Uh, so as far as like picking people, I know for me, you you and I were kind of talking, and you didn't even tell me, and I don't know if you had even decided that you wanted me to speak at, at the con yet, but we were kind of shooting the breeze, and you're like, yeah, if you ever went to a con, like, what kind of panel would you want to do? So as far as, like, nobody's like me, uh, that, that, I imagine, is a little bit easier because you can kind of spitball with them and, and come up with ideas. But as far as, like, choosing the, the celebrities, what goes behind, like, the, the people you decide to contact? It's it's black magic, really. <laughs> the, As are all good things, right? There, there's no there's no fixed process to it. Um, Claudia was somebody I'd I'd had in my mind, and and as I was doing planning for several months ahead of of actually sitting down and going after speakers, I'd just kind of been as, as names came into my head, I'd write them down. You know, I had a, had a piece of paper. Well, what about this person? What about that person? This would be interesting. And I was very specifically looking for people, celebrities who, as I describe it, like didn't want to stay on the other side of the velvet rope. So I, kind of the flip side of that is I wanted, I wanted celebrities who liked interacting with their fans, who would walk up and shake hands and tell stories and sit down and really engage with the audience. Because you can, you can see some, some really popular celebrities who maybe they're just too busy or some of them just don't like to, but put in a very minimal effort to the fan experience. You know, They'll get up there, they'll do their panel, and then they'll disappear. Since I, I, I'm really focusing on this being a, a, an experience that we're designing, I wanted to make sure we had people who enjoyed meeting their fans, who actively wanted to engage. And so that was very important as I, w- as I was looking for people. And Colin was certainly one of those people. If you follow him on Facebook, he's always posting pictures him with fans and he's sitting down and he's signing things and he's telling stories and it's just like that is the fan that that's almost the quintessential experience I want people to have is they walk away from this and they're they're excited maybe they're inspired by what this person has done they take away this beautiful memory of having spent even a couple minutes with this person and shaking their hand and, and sharing stories and it's it's something that can live with them forever as opposed to oh look I waited in line for 24 hours I barely got an autograph for this guy, and I got pushed aside and had to had to move on, and had to pay three hundred dollars for it. Oh yeah, and there's that too. No, I really I like I like that approach, and and like I said before, it's it's something I really appreciate about it, and something that I'm looking forward to. And 
I hope that, you know, even as it gets bigger, um, that's something that, that you guys are, are able to keep as a part of what you're doing. Even if you do ever get to the level of like being able to bring in a Mark Hamill, um, I mean, I mean, I know things would, would be different than about how you could get him to interact with the fans, but I think that's, that's what makes, a an experience like this so special is it's not, oh, look, I have somebody's signature to take home, but that's the moment I met, you know, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Colin Cantwell, uh, all mm-hmm. these people. And, and that's exciting uh, to be able to see. And it it's exciting. I know, you know, I haven't been to, to a Star Wars celebration yet. I will eventually get there. But just being able to see people doing that stuff on Facebook and Twitter and getting to see their pictures. And you can tell there's a very genuine smile and, and joy behind that moment in their lives. And so to think of literally a whole day, day and a half, two days of that kind of feeling is, is really inspiring and, and compelling to me. One of my, one of my best stories, cause I went to celebration last year and even in, in, my humble opinion, as poorly as the show was run, not that I want to speak bad of anyone, but there were a lot of logistical challenges. But I got to meet and get an autograph and a photo with Ian McDiarmid, with our, our friend Emperor Palpatine. I waited in line. We, we refer to him as the Sheaves on this the podcast. Sheaves. Yes. Yeah. We haven't ever called him that before, but I'm going to start it. It's a thing. Okay. It's, a, it's official now. It's canon. All right, good. So I waited in line five hours to get his autograph, which just boggles my mind. So it's he was supposed to be done at 5 o'clock. It's now 5.30, and there's still probably 50 people in front of me and probably 150 behind me. And Ian had just taken a break, and he's walking back past the line up to his table, and his handler, somebody, uh, was with him and was sitting here and, and the handler was actually saying, look, it's 5.30, you know, you, you got to wrap up, you're done, you know, you're already over time, you've had such a long day, blah, 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 and, you know, we can have these people come back tomorrow. And, and I heard Ian sit there and say, no, they came out here to see me today and the least I can do is make the time to see them. I, I'm going to stay here until we're done. So it wasn't even a personal interaction. It was just hearing his own commitment to the fans that, yes, I did get his autograph and we got to chat for you know 30 seconds and, and that was fantastic. But it was probably even more interesting and, and more memorable to hear his commitment to the fans that day, even though he was tired as all get out and he'd been doing this since 8 a.m. And here it is coming up on 6 o'clock and he's he's of a certain age that this this takes its toll and and you know as i'm getting up in years i i understand that too so i i really really appreciated his effort and his dedication matching what we had done. i mean we stood in line not terribly exciting but that you know we were willing to do that and so he was willing to step up as well and and i love that about that yeah what one of the things that I don't want to say it bothers me. It it worries me a little bit about how Star Wars is is being run now, and they're starting to bring in more big names uh, like in, uh, Felicity 
I just blanked on her last name. The girl who plays Jin Erso. How did I just forget her name? Felicity. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. You're getting Anyways. old, man. Oh, man, I'm Felicity. almost 30. It's, I'm almost 30. I'm going to be dead soon. Anyways, <laughs> um, <laughs> that was a little uh, little inside joke from pre-show. But, um, you know, and this is not a knock on them, but they do not have the availability or necessarily even the need to be as connected to the fans as like a Mark Hamill or Carrie Fisher or Ian McDermott, who really before Star Wars was more or less a, a, a nobody and got their big start because of Star Wars. These we're bringing in people who are already a big deal and oh yeah, they're doing Star Wars. And mm. so I just hope we don't lose that, uh, Intimacy, because I think that's been such an important part of what has kept Star Wars growing and going for the past 40 years. No, you're you're absolutely right. And, you know, there's been controversy about that because Harrison Ford has flirted with does he want in or out? And Mark and Carrie were always really cool about you know, kind of being typecast through their fame with the original Star Wars. But they owned it and they played to it and they, they had very successful lives and careers as a result. And we all feed on that. You know, the more they're into it, the more we're into it. The more we're into it, the more they're into it. And it creates this, this really interesting circle. The circle is now complete. <laughs> uh, so is there anything else you want to you tell the listeners about the con will, of course, have the the links in the show notes so you can get your tickets there. Um, the website, one of the best things about it is it's so super easy to navigate. Everything's right there for you. So uh, you shouldn't have any problem. And I mean, the basic ticket is what, $50 compared to like $300, $400, $500 you're paying just to get yeah. into the door at other cons. You have to be there, people. For the price of a plane ticket and the ticket itself, you are actually going to save money as compared to going to a comic, uh, a San Diego Comic Con or something of that size. So, is there any last minute notes you want to add about that? Just show up. Just you know, come have fun. Is is it? It sounds really cliche to say this, but we're really focusing on making this a, a a con for the fans by the fans. So, all of us involved are fans ourselves, and. We all have input into what we're doing, how we're doing it, who we have show up. And it, 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 it's been fascinating. Everybody I talk to about it just loves this concept. The design agency I got involved with doing branding and artwork and, and the website, they were excited about it first. Oh, yeah, this sounds really great. And after the, the partners took it to the team, build the proposal – they came back to me a couple days later going, my God, Steve, I didn't realize how many clotted nerds we had here. There's so many of them, and they're all incredibly excited to work on this project. I can't believe this. And so even, even the people I've hired and paid are approaching this as a passion project. And so I'm very, very hopeful. I'm, I'm crossing my fingers, but I really believe that, that all these people putting all this passion through their own efforts to make this con happen is really going to pay off for everybody attending. And for those attending, come show up and let us know what you think. Tell us what would you like different? This is our first year. So I'm approaching it as this is the prototype. 
You know, it's not going to be perfect. Things will break. Something will happen. Some speaker won't show up. Again, having run cons for 20 years, that's just the way of life, right? Oh, so, yeah. On that, on that note, there's something we need to talk about. Oh. About me coming to the con. No, I'm just okay. kidding. I'll be there. <laughs> Go ahead. I, know I have to troll you a little bit. I know. I know where you live, and I can send stormtroopers. That would be fantastic. <laughs> Don't give me ideas. Uh, oh, you would do it too. Anyways, go ahead. Oh yeah. So yeah, even for non-selfish reasons, I would just love people to show up and tell me what they think of the, of the event and what can we what works really well. What would you improve upon? What would you do that's that works more for you? And like I said, we're trying to have a broad base of appeal to a lot of different demographics. So getting input from those demographics from cosplayers, from gamers, from tabletop nerds, everybody. It's good to understand that because it kind of goes back to, I can't do this by myself and I don't have intimate knowledge of every genre or niche out there. So I, I have an advisory board. I call them the Guardian Council. And they represent pieces from all these different areas and have given me a lot of ideas, things I never would have thought of on my own, about how do we do things that cosplayers will find attractive what what would really help for the cosplay community? What would help for the tabletop community? You know, we have a room set aside so people can play tabletop games, whether you know it's it's some friends who just want to gather around and try something, or we'll get people in there, maybe vendors or something, who will show off their latest thing. So you get this chance to interact and see things and, and play games and and again, kind of really have an experience. Not it's not just something you simply attend. So I should say it on air for people who, who are challenged and will forget to go to the show notes, but the website is inter, Intergalacticon SD, and Sierra Delta, that's in San Diego, intergalacticonsd.com. And you can check out everything there on the website. You can buy tickets. Tickets are available now, although I know nobody buys tickets until the month before, so my anxiety is going through the roof right now. But it'll be fine. It's all fine. We're fine here. Oh, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. And, you know, if any if anybody needs proof of Steve's geek cred, besides the fact that he started a lightsaber dueling group, his dog is named Ahsoka. That's so, true. It, I mean, he, you have all the cred in the world as, as far as my book is concerned. I appreciate that. I, I, I'm already thinking I'll get another dog within the next year, and I'm trying to think of who am I going to name him or her after, so... Like I said, you know, these are important questions, and you can't just do it on the... Yeah, these are, these are things you have to consider. Oh, very important life decisions, man. Yeah, I mean, I tried when we got my dog. I mm. so wanted to name him after somebody in Star Wars. And so my last name is Boylan. My first name is Brandon. My girlfriend's first name is Brooke. So we're all B everything. Uh, and so we knew we had to go with a B name and I was like, can I please, I was like, I'll pick somebody really obscure from like that only a star Wars fan will get. And she's like, no. So we named him after Buzz Lightyear, um, but I think you, it, you get nerd cred for that. That's cool. Yeah. I'll take, I'll take it. I, I have dropped like a couple names that, you know, we can name our first child that are related to star Wars, like Luke, maybe, yeah, or you, you could do that. We've talked about Ben, yeah. So I could call him Kylo, or or you or, can you can get uh, a, a little bit deeper and and have Jason. Yeah, 
That well, Jason's now canon. Speaking of, actually, what did you think of the the Rebels finale? I thought the finale was fantastic. It was it was an epic sh- showcase that Filoni put together to really wrap everything up in one big final episode. Maybe you could argue maybe it was a little too forced to try and bring all these characters back together suddenly at once, but he's, I still think he did it really well. And it it, it did tie up a lot of storylines. It left some questions unanswered, which you should do because this is not the end of Star Wars, there's going to be other properties and other stories to be told. And so you left some strings dangling so that those stories can be told. And of course, we answered the question about Ahsoka. So that was one of the most important questions. That so, was the only question. I, there were a lot of people wondering who was going to die, but Ahsoka had to live. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what stories come next will be very interesting. So I think I, I'm very glad he got the opportunity to wrap up this series, which he never got to do with Clone Wars. And now we're just waiting with bated breath to see what's next. Although I don't think we're going to hear anything until the summer at best. It's going to be after Solo's out. They're, they're going to focus all their news on Solo right now. So I don't expect to hear anything about anything whether it's nine, whether it's a new animated series, whether it's a Kenobi movie, we're not going to hear anything until six, eight, 12 weeks after Solo's out, I believe. I really don't think we're going to hear anything about a new animated series until the, the streaming network gets up and running. I think, I think that's going to be the time. I think they'll tease something ahead of time because they've got to give people enough reason to subscribe. We may not get a title. We may not get a plot summary, but, you know, it could be as simple as Bob Iger saying, yeah, we've got two new animated Star Wars animated series planned for our direct-to-consumer platform. And that's enough for, you know, all of us to go, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. You mean Star Wars fans getting overexcited about something? It, it's a stretch to the imagination, I know. It really, it, it really is. You need to settle down. I, I apologize. I'm sorry, sir. So one of the reasons I started Clashing Sabers and – really the reason I started Clashing Sabers is because I had a lot of thoughts I needed to get out and I really didn't even know was it going to become like a thing or was it going to be because I've done blogs in the past and Mm. honestly just gotten bored with them real quick Mm -hmm. and so once I started to to make this thing take off one of the big goals I had was to to get different people's point of views on on the the website on the shows and to have people you know be able to to be in a place to freely share um, their thoughts on, on the things that are going on in Star Wars. So being that this is your first time on the show and we are in like literally I don't, the golden age of not just Star Wars, but geekdom, I want to kind of take your pulse on on some of the major things that have happened lately and that are coming in the future. So start with the biggest one. Uh, just came out on digital, The The Last Jedi. What are your thoughts on on The Last Jedi? I'm still very happy with it. it it's a It's a good movie. I know that's a very controversial thing to say in today's world, but I enjoy it. There, there remain aspects where I, maybe I cringe or I'm like, why is that in there? I really I understand why you did it. I don't like the way you did it. But at the end of the day, am I happy with it? I'm overall very happy with it. I think the biggest thing I liked about it was 
between seven and eight, between the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi, we were all speculating on what's you know what's going to happen with with Leia and what's going to happen with Luke. You know, the, this trilogy is supposed to wrap up that whole saga, so they have to die. They, something has to happen. And my biggest thing I wanted to happen was, however Luke went out, I I really felt it would have been nice, given his his status, given him being this this Jedi legend, it would have been nice for him to go out in kind of a walking off in the sunset moment. <sighs> Wait, that's exactly what we got. So, so happy with that. I, I love that moment so much. You could have had him in a battle with Kylo or Snoke and he could have gotten killed and you could have made a big epic thing about it, but that just would have felt a little commonplace and he he deserved better. So I love the way Ryan wrote you know, the third act and and had him pass into the force. It was just it it was epic and legendary. Well and it's something JJ talked about in terms of the making of seven of the Force Awakens was they wanted to bring Luke back earlier than the final scene of the movie, but every time they brought him back, the only thing that made sense was for him to come in and just beat everybody down and, and kick ass. And I mean, I don't Last Jedi's a day later, like that's not really going to be that much different. Kylo's not all of a sudden a different type of fighter in 24 hours. Right. So I think you had to, to tread that line really carefully. And I know you said uh, before the show you haven't been able to watch the director's commentary yet, but I just finished it up, and no spoilers or anything. But uh, one of the the kind of themes that I noticed that ran through was just how much thought uh, Ryan and the whole team put into making sure that the story was clear and concise and the focus was on the things the focus was supposed to be on. There were things and designs that they had planned that um, – got simplified or, or simply pushed to the side because they wanted to make sure that the focus was on the story. And I, I think they did a really good job about that. Uh, as far as the future of Star Wars goes, uh, let's start out with Solo. What, uh, what are your thoughts on, on Solo? I am intrigued. Okay, that's a word I, I haven't heard anybody use. Tell me, tell me more about that. So I was interested that there was a Solo movie, but I wasn't over the moon about it. I'm like, oh, okay, you know. This will be cool. Of course, I'll go see it. I don't want to say I was meh about it, but I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. The trailer came out and got me super excited because it does look – it has kind of this this Western feel to it, very action-oriented. So now I'm I, I'm more pumped about it. And But I, I do kind of still have this, well, let's, let's wait and see how it goes. It, it should be a fun – standalone film it's it's not going to be something that is a prelude to a new trilogy or a new whole new series so we actually don't have to worry about that we we can set a certain piece of our expectations aside this should be a, a fairly well self-contained film much like rogue one was and so i'm i'm almost just more curious to see what they do with the story because it's going to fill in some some great pieces that will now be canon for us. And you know how we all feel about canon. All worship canon. Oh, the great holy canon. <laughs> Thou shall live forever. So I'm really curious. And I appreciate a lot of the, the things Ryan did in terms of canon with The Last Jedi. So I'm really curious now to see 
as a result, what Ron Howard is doing for us, and Ron Howard being a lifetime Star Wars fan, you're going to get out of it what goes into it, and with his passion and his his skill for movie making, this should be interesting. Yeah, I'm intrigued is a good word for it. I'm I'm just super excited. Uh, I grew up and always played Han Solo. Uh, mm. I. I always imagine myself either in a Star Destroyer sneaking to steal the Death Star plans or uh, at the Battle of Endor, you know, trying to get the shield generator down because I had the old, I don't know, I haven't seen it in ages. You know the old DL-44, but it was like camouflage Mm -hmm. and little noises? I had that one. I loved carrying it up like by my head like Han does and stuff, you know. So for me, like I'm very personally attached to Han Solo and I was really nervous before the trailer came out. Mm. Just because it, not that it was going to be a bad movie. I thought it was going to be fun. Um, I, I always thought they would make a good film, but was it something that was really going to add anything to the story? And I think I think it's going to add something to the story. I, I think it's interesting though. You mentioned like it is a standalone. They they made a point of making Rogue One, where you really can't have a a technical sequel to the movie, but. Alden Ehrenreich is signed to a three-film deal. Now, that's pretty, like, regular for Hollywood contracts um, to have those options for more films. But do you think that as far as the solo movie goes, now, obviously, they can't have everybody die, but do you think they're going to tell the story in a way where it's like the... There can't be a direct sequel of this movie. Like, this is the only one you're going to get about Han Solo pre A New Hope, or are they going to kind of leave it open like Rebels did and... Maybe there'll be more. I hope they leave it open, to be honest, because if you start shoehorning in stories for the sake of shoehorning in stories, you're really doing a dis- one, you're doing a discredit to the story, and you're kind of disrespecting the fans at the same point because not, you're just telling a story for the sake of telling a story. You're not, are you really serving fandom and are you really serving the? The overall franchise by going, well, you know, Solo Star Wars story left off when he was 26, and there's three more years before we see him in A New Hope. So let's just, let's do a movie that fills in those three years. Well, why? Is it a story worth telling? Is it a story that needs to be told? Is it going to add to the franchise somehow? Or should you put that that money, think of it in terms of a business point of view, where are you going to put that $200 million as an investment to get the best return on that money. Maybe there's other characters, Kenobi, that you should tell a story about Kenobi that would fill in history and story Kenobi that more of us would be interested about after you've told the solo story, Kenobi. So I don't know if if this is something that would would interest you at all, um, but a lot of people have talked about a Kenobi movie. What are your thoughts on that? I've heard that rumor somewhere. Yeah, it's, Uh, it's through the grapevine. I, you know, I think I'd be down for that. I, I'd be okay. What, what would you want to see in a in a Kenobi movie? And please don't use the stock answer of John Jackson Miller's book Kenobi because it's a great book. But come on, let's be creative. What do you, what do you want out of a Kenobi movie? Let's divert from that. You can you can't just, especially with Star Wars, you can't take a novel a novel that's already written and just make it a movie out of it. That, that ugh, that's cheap and and horrible. First it's of all, lazy. It's really yeah, lazy. It really is. I don't care who's writing and directing. That's just lazy. Um, it's, it's gotta be Ewan McGregor, period, end of story. If it's not Ewan, then don't even do it. Right? I agree completely. 
I, you know, the, the obvious thing, it's almost, it's almost like, well, if you were to do a solo story, what would you do? Well, you do the story about him in this time period where they're making the story, you know? So what's the big backstory to Kenobi? That's, that's a big mystery. Well, it's his time on Tatooine and where did, you know, where did he go from the time where he left Luke with Owen and Baru to being the crazy old hermit out past the Dune Sea? There's 16, 19 years of story there that could be interesting and, and talk about, you know, how, how did he deal with exile in that place? And how did he protect Luke from a distance? And, and why does there seem to be bad blood between him and Owen? And there's some, there's some established questions there from the past 40 years that you could develop an interesting story around. Yeah, I, I agree completely. The one thing that I guess kind of worries me or, or makes me believe they I don't think we're going to see a Kenobi movie anytime soon is in the comics they have Luke studying uh, Ben's journal and we see some instances of Ben and Luke not like fully interacting but grazing or, or you know brushing shoulders kind of um, and we see <laughs> instances of Kenobi trying to help people but not use his Jedi powers or at least not use them obviously mm. and so the fact that they're telling the story there makes me makes me kind of concerned that they're trying to, to show as like he wasn't really doing anything it's all it's all fine here move along move along so I guess we'll, we'll wait and see um, I mean who are we kidding if they make a Star Wars movie we're gonna be there uh, oh day one yeah day zero yeah. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. It really is day zero now that they do the the seven o'clock premieres. It's so. Uh, I, I mean, everything used to premiere on Friday. Then it was midnight oh one on Friday. Now it's Thursday evening at seven, and in some places it's, it's Wednesday evening. And it's just a tricky way to. I think it's just kind of a tricky way to boost opening weekend numbers by having more days attached to it. I'm fine with that. As somebody who wakes up yeah. really early in the morning and goes to bed really early at night, not having to stay up till midnight is 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 perfectly fine with me. Oh, I'm okay I, with that. I'm great with that. I mean, I I have done midnight showings. In fact, I was at the Phantom Menace midnight showing, the very first one. And there's, I don't know if I've told you that story. I'll have to tell you that sometime. But it was like one of the first midnight lines ever. And um, I'm just not that young anymore. I don't want to stay up till midnight just to watch a movie. That's exactly how I feel, and I'm, not, I'm younger than you. <laughs> oh, I'm such an old man. Okay, so final Star Wars question that I want your opinion on. That sounds terrible, like I only care about three of your opinions. Uh, but It's okay, I know that. Yeah, okay, good. It's, it's, it's fine, we're fine. Uh, but Star Wars Resistance, the trademark was just registered a couple weeks ago by Lucasfilm. We, of course, have the announcement of John Favreau uh, working on a Star Wars television show. So this is kind of a twofold question. Number one, if we get a new Star Wars TV show, if they called up Steve Kirk and said, "Hey, Steve, we don't want you doing cons anymore. We want you to create a TV show. Uh, what Star Wars TV show would you create?" And two, if we get what everybody is speculating about a Star Wars Resistance animated show or television show, what would you want to see about that? There's so many questions in there. There are so many loose threads on what 
Disney and Lucas have in store for the future. There's a live action TV show. There's quote unquote, a couple of series that we're working on. There's this project called Joshua Tree, which I believe to be the Kenobi movie. There's episode nine. Ryan has a new trilogy. Benioff and Weiss now have a, a movie deal for a new series of movies. There's the streaming service and what's going to be on there versus somewhere else. There's so many of these these balls in the air and these loose threads and these little teases. We just don't have enough information to know what's going to be what, when, where, why, and by whom yet. So a lot of times I, I try and avoid too much speculation because speculation leads to expectations. Expectations lead to fear. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Hate leads to suffering, and I have enough suffering in my life. So speculation is fun, but that's all it is. Star Wars Resistance, it, given the type of filing they made, it, it feels like it could be either TV or film. Now, too early for them to file a name on Episode Nine, and it just doesn't sound epic enough for Episode Nine, to be honest. So maybe episode nine is going to be named Raylo. So they've already got that locked down. Oh, don't do that to me. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not. I'm not a Raylo shipper. Go ahead. Okay. I just Thank had you. to. Drew's not here. Somebody has to be the troll of this episode. <laughs> Fair enough. I appreciate you standing in for him. So that makes me think it's something for the streaming service. Could it be a new, it, you know, maybe it, maybe it's a live action show. Maybe it's a animated series. That's, that's where I'm putting my money is, is it's somewhere in there. It's not going to be a book. It's not going to be um, a new comic or anything. It's, it's big enough to be a TV, a TV show of some sort, but I don't think it's going to be a film. So John Favreau's so new in terms of announcement. Is it likely that he has a script treatment or a story treatment already written? Maybe, but it's only going to be a treatment. So are they going to have a name for it yet? No. It's just, it's too soon for that. They're going to have to work out some scripts and see where the story goes before they, because it's kind of like naming your pet got to make sure the name fits the personality. So until you work out some scripts and some, some deeper treatment, you don't know how you really want to name it yet. Yeah, and there's, there's so much that goes behind trademarking and, and making the decision to trademark something. I mean, companies do it sometimes just because, you know, this sounds kind of cool and maybe one day we want to use it and mm. we're going to go ahead and lock it down. So, I mean, like you said, speculation can lead down a very dark path and forever will that dominate your destiny. Um, yeah. I like it, but I'm I'm able to separate my my expectations from the story I get, um, and I think you kind of have to know yourself whether you're able to do that. I mean, if Star Wars Resistance ends up being Favreau's series or Filoni's next series, I would be super pumped. But if it was like yeah. a mobile game, I'd be like, oh, okay, well, that's that, oh, and that's, and be able to move along. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I mean, the the that old Josh Trank story of him working on a Boba Fett movie was a great example of of they had announced Josh Trank working on something everybody believed. I don't remember if it was actually announced to be a Boba Fett movie, but everybody was, but you got expectations set. So, and then it got shelved. So 
kind of, again, you got to be careful with expectations and speculation because you don't want to get your hopes up because things can change. Absolutely. I mean, we've seen that over the past five years since the Disney purchase. We we saw a certain approach coming in, and, and that approach has definitely adjusted as they've taken the pulse of, of fandom and not just the hardcore fans like us, but you know, the people who are really making them money on movies and TV shows are the casual fans. You know, you want something like a like a, a Flash or an Arrow on CW where even if you're not a fan of those comic book characters, you want to watch the show because it's a compelling story. Yeah, or, or it's just fun. It's it, it's a good escape from your work day. And yeah. those are the dollars you have to attract. They don't have to attract our dollars because they've already got them. Sorry, it's already in my budget. Absolutely. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Like, I, I feel like some people sometimes think, oh, you know, they've got to get quote unquote normal fans or casual fans to watch it. And it's just a, all about money. And I'm like, yeah, they're kind of a business. That's kind of their job. Welcome it, to capitalism. <laughs> yeah. If you want episodes 10, 11, and 12, the nine has to make money. So. I'm okay with that, and, and, and I'm okay spending you know, my 20 bucks to the theater to support the actors and the producers and all the people that made that movie because I enjoyed it. And the best, maybe the only way to really show my support for this thing that they did that I like is to pay them that $20, and I'm, I'm happy to do that. They deserve it. That's, that's the exact same mentality that I have. So. I want to close on this. Uh, I should have asked you earlier in the show, but I'm not using my journalism degree, apparently. Um, after you know everybody listens to this episode and they go buy tickets to the con, they're probably going to want to look up some uh, saber fighting groups. So what advice could you give uh, the listeners if they want to try out a, a saber dueling um, club or class or organization? Where do, where's a good place to start uh, finding a, a reputable organization? Oh, that's a good question. And that, that could almost be a whole nother episode, but I'll spare you that. It, it kind of goes back to Google is your friend. Is the, the lightsaber community is still very young and growing. So even in San Diego, we have a handful of clubs group schools, some are choreo, some are combat. And so you're just going to have to kind of Google around and check them out and show up to one and see if you like it. The The good schools will encourage you to do that and maybe you're even free. I know a lot of them, they may have expenses that they need to cover. So it may be, you know, 10 bucks for a class or something. All right, well, that's not necessarily bad to, to check something out. So... There, there are more and more coming up all the time, and, and there's one or two websites, and I apologize, I can't think of them off the top of my head. Again, Google is your friend, that are trying to create maps or list, you know, directory listings of Sabre Clubs, so it can get easier to find these groups. So ask around, ask your friends, ask Google, and you'll find something. Because, like I said, there's just more and more popping up all the time. And you've also got to consider, do you want to go more choreo? Do you want to go more combat? And then, you know, if if you're into the martial arts and a lot of the physical and mental training aspect of it, then the combat path may be better for you. If if you just kind of like swinging them around and look 
and cool and, and doing some cosplay and having some fun. Not that it's not a lot of hard work, but choreo is, is another great path for you. So there, there's a lot of, you know, in, in some sense, some very deep personal decisions you have to make about if you're into it, which way do you want to go? And you, let's be fair, you could do both. You could be a part of multiple clubs if, if you're lucky enough to have them around. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And if you want any more advice, uh, I would definitely suggest starting off with uh, the safety episodes uh, that San Diego Sabres has put out. I think it's episode two and somewhere around episode... Episode four and somewhere in the 40s we did an updated one. Okay, so yeah, four and in the 40s. um, Those were were really insightful episodes. And um, as somebody who's done martial arts and appreciates the need for safety um, and taking care of the person that you're you're sparring with, that you're dueling with. Um, I really appreciated those episodes. So definitely subscribe to their podcast. Uh, check, check them out on Twitter. You know what, Steve, you're going to do better than I am. Why don't you go ahead and do all your, all your plugs. Do all the plugs. Oh, thank you, my young Padawan. Uh, we are at sandiegosabers.net is our website, and all our social media is up there. We're San Diego Sabers on Facebook, SD Sabers Podcast on Twitter, and there are other places that I joke around with because they keep popping up and I forget about them, but they're all on the website, sandiegosabers.net. And, I mean, if you honestly, like, I'm going to say it again, but it's so true. If you just want to feel like you're just hanging out with some friends, shooting the breeze, talking Star Wars, uh, it's so much fun. The what if episodes are, uh, it's such a rabbit hole. I love getting brought down as you guys go through, like, what would have happened if Luke had joined Vader? So they're doing stuff that other podcasts aren't doing and you get a good mix of Star Wars thoughts and also getting to learn about saber dueling and different stuff like that. So go ahead and follow them. Uh, you can reach us if you want to let us know what you thought about Last Jedi, Rebels Finale, anything upcoming in Star Wars, anything we talked about today. Uh, if you want to let me know that you're coming to Intergalacticon and you want to meet up, email us at clashingsabersnetwork at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Clashing Sabers. Uh, I'm over on Twitter at Darth Boylan, although I'm not really using that one as much anymore. Uh, Instagram at Darth Boylan. Facebook, you can look me up. Um, I'm the dorky looking one. And other than that, guys, just make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. We're putting out stuff at a very rapid pace. It's actually kind of a good problem to have is I feel like I don't have enough time to get all the podcasts that we have uh, out sometimes. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, Check out Starships with Ash. Uh, she has um, some cool episodes coming up. Mark just let me know that the new uh, Forever Star Wars is in the can and ready to go, so that'll be coming out soon. Lindsay and I have some episodes of Don't Burn the Sacred Text that are going to be coming out soon, so stay tuned to all of that. Subscribe to the network, and you'll find it. And remember, as always, if a Jedi Master gives you a lightsaber... Don't point it at your face. The podcast you just listened to and all other Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of ClashingSabers.net. All sounds and materials used from other creators is their stuff, and we just use different information on educational purposes. Bottom line, we made it, it's ours, they made it, it's theirs. Seems simple, but if you're still confused, feel free to email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. We have no association with Lucasfilm, Disney, or any of the other fine companies that make all this stuff we talk about. But, Kathleen Kennedy, if you need anything, let me know. I work for cheap. Now let's blow this thing and get out of here.